Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it. And he fitted me for my first my pillow. And it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And the good news, you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers. His special four-pack, you get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code SEAN, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. All right, glad you're with us. Happy Monday, and write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Media caught dead to rights lying and utter hypocrisy and fake, phony, feigned moral outrage, the likes of which we are now seeing every second, every minute, every hour of every day, every month, every year now about Trump. At some point, you've got to understand all of the success of Donald Trump is not working for them because they want to destroy this man and his family, and they do not care. The same people that propped up the failed agenda of Obama. They don't care at all, seemingly, at the success that we are now seeing in the country. All they want to do, which is before the election, during the transition, after the election, undermine, at first defeat, and delegitimize the presidency of Donald Trump. And if it means going after his family, if it means a dual justice system, 
if it means we don't have equal application under our laws, equal justice under the law, none of that matters. It doesn't matter what the numbers say. It doesn't matter the records that are being set. It doesn't matter that peace through strength is once again working in the world. None of it matters because it is a fixation obsession of the media. We're going to get into this in, in great, great detail in the course of the program today. We have 71 people shot in Chicago this weekend alone. 12 of them dead, dozens of others fighting for their lives. This, this is now literally an epidemic. I'll give you another epidemic. Eric Bowling is going to stop by today. Eric Bowling lost his wonderful son, Chase, from a, all he did, the kid bought a Xanax and it was laced with fentanyl. It, you want to talk about an epidemic? It is an opioid drug crisis in every small town and every big city in the country today. This is not, this is now people for profit targeting your children in this endeavor. We're going to get into the New York Times and their new editorial board member. We're going to talk about the election 92 days away. Every day I'm going to remind you what the Democratic agenda is. I'm going to remind you the state of affairs as they were when they left it before Donald Trump became the president. And I'm going to remind you what's at stake. And I'm just I cannot tell you in strong enough terms that if the Democrats get power back if you do not find if you do not see the urgency of where we are in this midterm election you're going to have more chaos more disruption the flow of success is going to stop progress is going to stop and if you think Mueller is bad and what they've been doing now for over 18 months is bad well buckle up is going to get that much worse they're not saying it, but they want to impeach the president. You know, they are saying that they want their crumbs back. They refer to the Bush, uh, the, the Trump tax cuts as crumbs. You know, one, two, three thousand dollars per family. Uh, when I didn't have money, that wasn't crumbs in my life. That was real money. In terms of the bonus that corporate America received versus the crumbs that they are giving to workers to kind of put the schmooze on is so pathetic. So what I want to just say is really, really simple. They want the crumbs. Elizabeth Warren has said she wants the crumbs back. Pelosi wants the crumbs back. They have sufficiently silenced people like Maxine Waters from saying what they really want to do, which is impeach the president. But they want their crumbs back. They want to repeal the tax cuts. We know that they want to eliminate ICE. And they want open borders because that's what they're fighting for. Uh, we know that the Democratic Party has no positive agenda. We know they want to stop all the investigations into the deep state. By the way, TikTok, what I have learned this weekend is the equivalent. It is, it is literally as bad as everything that we have heard and worse. And we might get those details as soon as tomorrow. So there is a lot coming. And we're not going to stop our investigation into the deep state. By the way, has anyone paid any attention to the story of Dianne Feinstein? It's pretty interesting. You know, details surface about a Chinese spy who worked for Senator Feinstein. New details emerging about a mole 
for the government of the communist Chinese who managed to stay by California Senator Dianne Feinstein's side for nearly 20 years. Uh, additional information surfacing about how the senator's office was infiltrated by this spy. Apparently, according to this report and San Francisco CBS local reporting, the Bay Area is a hotbed for Russian and Chinese espionage. Late last year, the Fed shut down the Russian consulate in San Francisco. And you may remember, oh, that would be under President Trump. Oh, sorry, <laughs> not under Obama. Of course not. He was going to tell, tell Vladimir, tell Vladimir that uh, uh, we'll have more flexibility after the election. Okay, you tell Vladimir. We just won't tell the American people. We'll collude. But anyway, you may remember the billowing. You know, when the when the Russian diplomats were turned into the authorities, presumably. For burning documents, now all eyes are on the Chinese intelligence in the Bay Area after Politico reported last week that the staffer for Feinstein turned out to be a Chinese spy who reported back to the government and China officials about everything that she knew. Isn't that nice? Oh, where's the special counsel for that? I'm just holding my breath. So here was the big lie this weekend. Oh, let me finish on this on the election. So that's what they stand for. They want to open borders, eliminate ICE. They want their crumbs back. They want to keep Obamacare. How's that working out for you, keeping your doctor, your plan, and paying less? They want to impeach the president, but they're not going to say it. They want to stop the investigations that were all designed to exonerate Hillary without investigating Hillary, knowing she committed crimes and felonies and obstructed justice. And then they turn the guns of the deep state, spies in the Trump campaign, lying to FISA courts, you know, Hillary's phony Russian dossier and and the likes. And people as high as the FBI deputy director, the director himself, struck in page. We wouldn't have known about any of this if Hillary had won. And it goes on into the weekend. You know, I, I was wondering as I was watching this weekend's reporting because I knew that the president had already said, I knew it instantly. They're out there acting as though And reporting as though the president in a tweet this weekend finally admitted that he knew that his son had met with the Russian lawyer because he was told that she had dirt on Hillary Clinton. And I'm thinking, uh, there's nothing new in this. We've known for more than a year that Donald Trump Jr., that he was told, well, we might get some dirt. The whole meeting ended up being about Russian adoption and the Magnitsky Act about Russian adoption. Although we know this woman, you know, apparently met with Fusion GPS before the meeting and right after the meeting. So it was a setup. But nobody at the Trump campaign bit. Nobody called her back. Everyone said it was a horrible meeting. They got all the records to prove it was a horrible meeting. Anyway, and as I suspected, the fake fraudulent media in this country, the destroyed Trump media has been lying so they could repackage what is an old story as some kind of new big massive bombshell. The Daily Caller pointed out on Sunday morning, the president's tweet, fake news is reporting a complete fabrication that I am concerned about the meeting my wonderful son Donald had in Trump Tower, the president tweeted. This was a meeting to get information on an opponent, totally legal, done all the time in politics, went nowhere. I didn't know about it in advance. The vast majority of reporting this weekend on the president's tweet portrayed it as a new significant admission of the president, the AP reporting that Trump appeared to change his story, sent out a news alert to that effect. 
Huffington Post reporting Trump finally admits his campaign colluded with Russia at the Trump Tower meeting. The phony New York Times, what do you hear about their new editorial writer? Uh, they called the president's tweet an astonishing and brazen admission. Both the New York Times and Washington Post portrayed Trump's tweet as a new and significant development in their coverage on Sunday. Uh, here's the problem. The president's tweet was not a reversal. It was not new. It's true that the president's original explanation about the Trump Tower meeting was that it focused on adoptions. And the president has long since acknowledged that the meeting's origin, that they thought they were going to be handed op research. I do think that this, taken from a political standpoint, most people would have taken that meeting. It's called opposition research or even research into your opponent. Trump said at a July 13, 2017 press conference, and I've only been in politics for two years, but I've had many people call up, oh, gee, we have information on this factor or this person or, frankly, Hillary. One Axios reporter was a notable exception to the overreaction. Here's the point. You want to hear, in your own words, the biggest liar, the biggest phony, shiftless shift? Okay, listen to him talk to a Russian hoaxer, huckster. That is there, you know, literally sucking him in. I've got naked pictures and Vladimir's seen them. Yes, we'll turn them over to the FBI. Listen. Okay, and so Buseva met with Trump uh, in in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe. Uh, yes. Pageant. Absolutely, and she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay, and and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and... Uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI, uh, would they corroborate this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva. Uh, All right, as you listen the- to this, what is different? Except they weren't talking about adoption. I don't have my cut sheet. What is cut eight, Linda, that you're telling in my ear? It's where Adam Schiff talks about how there's so much evidence of collusion. Oh, yeah. Listen to this. What happens if Mueller then subpoenas the president? Uh, You have a a fight under the Constitution. Oh, okay. Now, let me just point in one of that wasn't the cut. We'll get to it later. But let me say this. What do you think Hillary was paying for? And now... I guess the FBI was paying Christopher Steele. We just don't know how much. So he's getting paid from Hillary Clinton's campaign, DNC money, and the FBI for what turned out, in his own words, to be raw intelligence, maybe 50-50, that became the basis of a FISA warrant and a CIA director leaking to Harry Reid to influence and lie to the American people to steal an election. That's all happened. All of it. All right, 800-941-SHUT. It's just, this is fake. It is fraudulent. It is a lie. It is propaganda. This is no different than state-run Pravda, your news media in this country. And they don't really give a flying rip 
about all the economic success that we have had in this country. They never covered the failure of Obama. They don't really seem to care a whole lot to me about the forgotten men and women that are now off of food stamps and now finding career jobs or that we're safer and more secure and that we're doing better as a country. They don't care. They still want to destroy Trump, destroy Trump, destroy Trump. 24-7. Did that make you laugh in there? Yes. Singapore. All right. We'll uh, take a break here. 800-941-SEAN is our number. All right. As we roll along, Sean Hannity show. All weekend long. And the president had already said it. It was not new. They're trying to recycle because they've got nothing. And we've gone through all of this time. And this is the most frustrating part. Is there is a tape of Adam Schiffless Schiff. Adam Schiff thinks he's talking to a Russian. He thinks the Russian has compromising materials on Donald Trump. He's asking about every detail of it and asking for it to be handed over. What is the difference? Can somebody explain? How is that any different than what they are saying was so bad that Donald Trump Jr. took a meeting? And everybody in the meeting was frustrated because in the middle of a campaign, time is precious and they're busy. And okay, here's the it was about the Magnitsky Act about Russian adoption. Not exactly a top priority for a presidential campaign. And the same people that were hyperventilating all weekend long, all of them are the same exact people that have ignored Hillary Clinton's a crimes her obstruction of justice, a violation of the Espionage Act, mishandling a classified top secret information that was, we know, picked up by foreign intel services, and then Hillary Clinton, who bought and paid for, and the government and FBI apparently paid, and the DNC paid for Russian lies, salacious lies, which they spread to you, the American people, which they used as the foundational material for FISA warrants to spy on opposition party candidates in an election year. Russian lies she paid for. And you're going to sit here and they ignore that and they obsess on Trump and it's been 18 months. They are so abusively biased and corrupt. No wonder why people are chanting they suck because they do. All right, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show 20... My old boss, Sluggo, writes me, did you have a Red Bull before the show? No, there's so much news that I want to get it all in, Sluggo. But I love him to death. He's a great friend of ours. Uh, So last week, was it last week, uh, Linda, that we had my daughter and her friends come by and we put them on? That's right. Yeah. Well, one of her friends didn't get to come because she was at theater camp. And so she really wanted to come today. But I'm not going to put them on again because it took a half hour. But she is actually a re... How many plays have you been in, Rach? So many. Too many to count. And you're like the lead in almost every one. Yes. Why are you being shy? Because that is not part of your nature to be shy. (laughs) Unlike my own daughter, right? Yes. Did you hear her on radio? No. No. Did you hear about it? Yes, I did. Now, does my daughter talk a lot in person? Yes. A lot. A lot. Like, and she's funny. Very funny. And very personable. Yes. And this is her on the radio. Hi. <laughs> Hi. You know, I do. I did this all the years. I would even Patrick. I hear Rachel does a great impression of that. Let's hear. Of MK or me? I'd ask Rachel. I, go of ahead. Sean Hannity. I do my show. Go, she does a good one. Go ahead. MK's so good. Okay. 
I'm Sean Hannity, and this is the Sean Hannity Show. And we're going to talk about Sean Hannity. No, we usually don't talk about Sean Hannity, <laughs> but that's a, try and avoid that topic. All right, so you've like, all right, so give me, sing just because I don't have a lot of time. Linda is, you know, for years, you've done a, what, 6,000 weddings over the course of your life? That's I, correct. I think you sang more weddings than I attended bar. That's probably right. But Rachel's going a different route. I know all about it. But, all right, well, so the audience to, does it. Do you want to give them a clue? Hello. No. So you went to theater camp this summer, the yes, second year in a row. Mm-hmm. How many weeks were you there? Three weeks. Okay. And you do these plays. I sing something so people can understand if you can really sing or not. Okay. Pick anything you want. Go ahead. Ready? Go. But I, I gotta keep trying. Gotta keep my head held high. Cause there's always gonna be another mountain. Always gonna wanna make it move. Always gonna be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. Yeah. Very good. And you do like the national anthem yes. for sports and everything, right? Yes, I do. That's like the hardest song to sing. <laughs> you know, uh, and the rockets. Beautiful. You know, yeah, I know. It's a beautiful. <laughs> uh, well, it's great to have you here um, and uh, with all your friends. And I, are you enjoying this? I am definitely enjoying it. You're so much definitely. fun. All right. Well, you're always welcome. How old are you, by the way? I'm 14. 14 years old. Unbelievable. And how old is your sister? 18. 18. And your brother? 19. 19. You're 19? And how old is your brother? <laughs> uh, 21. Oh. And you guys never fight? Never. Not okay. once. Of the family, let's see how honest you are. Who demands the most attention? That's a hard one. No, it's really not a hard one <laughs> at all. I think it would be you. And <laughs> yes. when I say, you know, to your sister, oh, she's my favorite, you go nuts. I do go nuts. Why? Because, I mean... I should be the favorite. Oh, how about I have no favorites, but because you act this way, I just keep saying it. I don't have favorites, except Courtney. She's my favorite. No. <laughs> I'm your favorite. All right. Good to see you, Rach. Thank you Welcome so much. Welcome home from camp. We're glad to have you as our guest today. Thank you. All right. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. And by the way, this is how bad it got over the, oh, Trump admits the meeting was about getting information on Hillary. Oh, stunning new information, new Trump admission that he made, you know, well over a year ago. Um, it is a pretty sad state of affairs when the reporting in this country would ignore Adam Schiff, Schiffless Schiff, and his call to real Russians with real tape, really colluding, and we would ignore on the other end of that what hillary clinton and the dnc funding russian lies used to get fake phony fraudulent wire if you will not wiretaps but uh warrants on opposition party candidates in a presidential election year and disseminate false information or propagandize or misinform people on purpose because they think that it's going to help them get elected. 
And then the fake news media is upset when we see this every single second minute hour of every day, of every week, of every month, now years, going on years, and they get upset that we call them out for being who they are. And that is their fake news. You know, we have uh, other reports. Uh, Paul Sperry, vis-a-vis Gateway Pundit, is investigative journalist reporting that President Trump has now decided to declassify the redacted portions of the Carter Page FISA application. I am told that it's pre- I'm pretty certain it's the fourth one that Rod Rosenstein signed, but it could be the third one. But anyway, the information that Devin Nunes predicted last week will shock the American people if it ever comes out. I'm getting dribs and drabs what may be in there. I'm asking a lot of questions of all my sources. And I know the media says, well, Hannity, you're not a journalist. Well, we've broken more news than these people in the last two years. We vetted Obama. They were nowhere to be found except genuflecting before the anointed one. You know, we told you about Obama's horrific eight-year track record, which they ignored also. So we're doing a lot more, quote, journalism than these people that say they're journalists, except we're honest, we're talk show hosts. Investigative reporting is a part of what we do. Reporting is a part of what we do. Straight news is a part of what we do. Opinion is a part of what we do. Debates are a part of what we do. That is all under the header of being a talk show. But it is a journal. It, it is journalism. What they do is basically phony journalism, fake journalism. Anyway, Paul Sperry uh, pointed out that the president may very well be ready to declassify the renewal application. This was the third renewal, fourth altogether, that was signed by Rod Rosenstein so that the American people could know what lies were told the FISA court judges. How do you get to commit fraud on a judge? How do you get to take subpoenaed emails and delete them and decide you can delete them because you want to? Or to then basically clean out, acid wash your hard drive with a program called Bleach Pit so that they're not recoverable. And then to bust up devices with hammers or have your staff do it and remove SIM cards. This has all happened in this country and have spies inside an opposition party candidate's campaign. So we'll see what the president does if he does present these unredacted versions. And it's if it's as damning as Devin Nunes says, but Devin Nunes has been, you know, vindicated numerous times in this entire process. Sperry says that this month the president is ready to declassify not just the 20 redacted pages of June 2017, the FISA renewal, but possibly 63 pages of emails and notes between Bruce Orr and Christopher Steele. And these what are called 302s. They're summaries of 12 FBI interviews with Orr about his relationship with Steele. There's been numerous rumors and reports that, in fact, certain high-ranking officials... Not rank-and-file FBI's. I say every single day. I met an FBI guy that I know this weekend. He's devastated. Literally, I felt, I said to him, I, you know every day I say not rank-and-file. He goes, I know you do. And I said, almost universally, every FBI guy I know, and I have sources, they are aghast at what the leadership did. And they know they would have been fired. And they know that, 
what they did is wrong and in some cases illegal. But he literally said to me, he thinks the damage is so great that people don't trust the FBI. I don't want that to be the case. You cannot look at one bad actor or five bad actors or ten bad actors in one organization that abuse their power and then say, well, that that is the rank and file. No, there's many respectable people. Just like if there's one bad, dirty cop, that doesn't mean the rest of cops are horrible. Or one bad teacher doesn't mean every teacher is horrible. Unfortunately, he feels that the credibility of the FBI has been damaged greatly. And I said to him, at the end of the day, I believe that the heroes of this story are going to be rank-and-file FBI guys. And Sperry also predicts that when Trump issues the declassification order, congressional Democrats and their media, state-run media buddies will become apoplectic. Oh, the truth bothers them? They don't want transparency? There's new steel documents of possible FBI-Russia collusion. When the FBI brass decides to release the Russiagate documents very late on Friday afternoon, chances are they're trying to cover up a bombshell. And uh, the Washington Times pointed out that, and that appears to be the case with the FBI's document dump, you know, just a few days ago, not only do the documents reveal new details about the FBI's payments to Christopher Steele, but they suggest the possibility that Steele was on the FBI's payroll which we long had reported as a possibility way back when. In other words, that he's getting paid from literally the DNC, funneled money through Perkins Coie, being paid through the Hillary campaign vis-a-vis the law firm Perkins Coie, and he's getting paid by the FBI. This is all material that he, in his own words, in an interrogatory in Great Britain said was raw intelligence, maybe 50-50 true. That became the bulk of information to obtain the FISA warrant. And the deputy FBI director at the time, uh, the deputy FBI director at the time literally said, there's no dossier, there's no FISA warrant. Not Rod, who's the other guy? Andrew McCabe. That's McCabe who said that. That means that some of the cash that Christopher Steele, the foreign national, I thought foreigners weren't supposed to be involved in our elections, Anyway, some of the cash that he used to pay his Russian sources to get dirt on Trump could have come from our FBI. Isn't that interesting? Which in turn raises the question, did James Comey know? Did Andrew McCabe know? Did Peter Strzok know? What did the DOJ know? What did uh, Lisa Page know? You know, if the money was for Trump-related spying on Russian intelligence that Mr. Steele was collecting from Three sources, Hillary Clinton, the DNC, who's she was controlling the money, and from our own FBI. Now, actually, the FBI's payments to Steele suggest that the Bureau had an even more direct connection with Russia than the Clinton campaign did. Because Hillary funneled the money through a, a law firm through Fusion GPS. And in this case, that would mean the FBI cut out the middleman and were paying Christopher Steele, who they fired directly. And then, of course, telling the FISA court, no, 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 he's credible, even though we fired him. And they fired him for lying. And they fired him for leaking. Anyways, the Washington Times points out the sparse documents, most significant disclosure is that Mr. Steele was admonished by, uh, on February 2nd, 2016, FBI guidelines for confidential sources refers to admonishment as instructions. 
That's another bombshell. If Steele was receiving instructions from the FBI in February of 2016, well, that means he was working for the FBI well before the DNC and the Clinton campaign started paying him through Fusion GPS, which didn't happen until April. And then the question is, when the FBI gave Steele his instructions in February 2016, was that related to his anti-Trump project or some previous project? Well, we need to get to the bottom of that. And as the Washington Times points out, after the admonishments, Steele went on to play a key pivotal role in leveling charges that fueled the entire probe into this, you know, President Trump, which led to the appointment of the special counsel, Robert Mueller, and all the mess that we've been in ever since. And by the end of April, Steele was hired by the Democrats. By June, he was churning out memos that accused Trump and his campaign of extensive conspiracy with the Kremlin to interfere in the 2016 election that never happened. And frustrated over what he saw as FBI in action, and Steele goes ahead and gives this phony, uncorroborated, unverified information to reporters in Washington in September. And we believe also that uh, Brennan also knew, gave it to Harry Reid. And then the phony media, they take it and run with it. At least some of them did. And Steele continued to feed a steady diet of collusion charges to the FBI, leading right up to the election in November 2016. And the FBI wrote an application to the judge to use the dossiers, the bulk of information, to spy on Carter Page. You understand how corrupt this all is? Looks like the FBI continues to use Steele to justify the Carter Page wiretaps long after they found he's a liar and untrustworthy. Which And they were paying him. Now, shouldn't the FBI have told the FISA court that the author of the key document, the bulk of information that they were presenting to judges, while also withholding pertinent information to FISA court judges and, and putting a fraud on the court, shouldn't they have done something? Of course they should have. Okay, and so Busova met with Trump uh, in, in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe uh, yes. pageant. Absolutely. And she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay. And, and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the, the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course, uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and, uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI, uh, would they corroborate this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchek and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. Mr. President, your FBI nominee said if someone in a campaign got an email about Russia, like the one that your son Don Jr. received, that they should alert the FBI rather than accept that meeting. Is he wrong? Also, were you misled by your team in not knowing about this meeting? As far as my son is concerned, my son is a wonderful young man. He took a meeting with a Russian lawyer, not a 
government lawyer, but a Russian lawyer. Uh, it was a short meeting. Uh, it was a meeting that um, went very, very quickly, very fast. Two other people in the room, they, I guess one of them left almost immediately, and the other one was uh, not really focused on the meeting. I do think this, I think from a practical standpoint, uh, most people would have taken that meeting. It's called opposition research or even research into your opponent. I've had many people, I have only been in politics for two years, but I've had many people call up, oh, gee, we have information on this factor or this person or, frankly, Hillary. Uh, that's very standard in politics. Politics is not the nicest business in the world, but it's very standard where they have information and you take the information. In the case of Don, uh, he listened. Uh, I guess they talked about... As I see it, they talked about adoption and some things. Uh, adoption wasn't even a part of the campaign. Uh, but nothing happened from the meeting. Zero happened from the meeting. And honestly, I think the press made a very big deal over something that really a lot of people would do. Now, All right, so there it is. The big hoax is what this is. And here the media all weekend long lying through their teeth about the president's so-called tweet admission about the Trump Tower meeting. And I, I just watched it. And I've known about it all weekend, and I'm just watching them literally fall all over themselves, breathlessly, hysterically reporting something that the president has already said. And we have the evidence of it. Oh, the president finally admitted he knew his son met with the Russian lawyer because he was told that she had dirt on on Hillary. And I'm scratching my head, and there's nothing new in that information. I mean, and there you got Adam Schiffler Schiff. There he is on tape colluding, you know, conspiring to influence the United States because some Russian prankster calls him. Oh, see, all right, what are the nature of the materials of uh, the compromise? Uh, naked uh, pictures. We had that. Vladimir sees the, Vladimir sees the naked pictures and da-da-da-da. You know, it's um, it's been a complete fabrication. It is the same breathless minute by minute, second by second, day by day, hour by hour, month by month, year by year, you know, feign moral outrage bull from these people. And on, you know, the other interesting news to come out this weekend is, oh, does anybody care about the mole for the communist Chinese for 20 years by Dianne Feinstein's side? Uh, hello, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that little detail. But what was Adam Schiff doing? He was colluding. He was trying to get what was Russian information, conspiring, if you will, if you want to turn a phrase of the left. And what was he doing it for? He was doing it to damage Donald Trump. There's not a single politician that if they don't get a call, oh, I've got op research on your opponent, do you want it, is not going to take the call and listen. It's not a crime. It's never been a crime. But the problem is, you know, the Huffington Post, Trump finally admits his campaign colluded with Russia at Trump Tower meeting. New York Times, same thing. You know, an astonishing and brazen admission. And the New York Times and the Washington Post portraying the tweet as a new significant development of their, their coverage. There's one big problem here. Trump's tweet wasn't a reversal at all. And that it's true. Trump's original explanation was that it focused on adoptions, which is what the meeting ended up being about, as we know, the Magnitsky Act at the time. But, quote, I do take this and take from a practical standpoint. Most people would have taken the meeting. It's called opposition research or even research into your opponent. He said that at a July 
2017 press conference. I've only been in politics for two years, but I've had many people call up and, gee, we have information on this factor or this person or, frankly, Hillary. And then, you know, on top of that, there was, you know, stunning admissions over at ABC, wild over stunning new Trump admission. Well, it turns out not to be the case. And on top of that, we even have more information about it. Because, you know, as you look at all of this and you go back to what the president has said in the past, the president was very clear and that the his original explanation, I don't think this that taken from a practical standpoint, most people would have taken it the meeting. This was July 13, 2017. They can't even keep up with their own hysteria. Anyway, Greg Jarrett, his brand new book is out. The Russian hoax, the illicit scheme to clear Hillary Clinton framed Donald Trump. David Schoen, civil liberties, criminal defense attorney. Welcome both of you to the show. I, I, you know, it just is it just highlights everything I've been saying about the media, Greg, is that every second minute, hour, day, month, year, week, this is it. This is what we get. Well, and, and even The New York Times today in their stories made the bald face claim that it is illegal to receive help from a foreigner. Well, that's just not true. The Federal Campaign Election Act specifically says foreign nationals may volunteer their services to a campaign. That includes providing attend- information, attending meetings, and speaking. So it, it was never a crime. I heard George Stephanopoulos say, well, it's conspiracy to defraud the government. Well, did he ever read the U.S. Supreme Court decision on conspiracy to defraud? It requires craft, trickery, deceit, and dishonesty. How is sitting in on a meeting with a foreign national who's going to provide information, who didn't provide information, a conspiracy to defraud? Hey, hey Greg, how many times now, I went back this weekend and I looked at the dossier or the accumulation of these these papers that were written by Christopher Steele that Hillary paid for using Russian sources. Uh, And I'm laughing as I'm reading it, which is something you often said you did when you've read it many times. And what does it talk about in the dossier? It talks about salacious details of Donald Trump, never verified, never corroborated, and now debunked. Who paid for that Russian? Who paid for those Russian lies? That ultimately became the the bulk of information for a FISA warrant. Hillary Clinton and Democrats and the FBI. We've learned over the last several days that the FBI was paying Christopher Steele at the same time Hillary Clinton was paying Christopher Steele. We know this for sure. They were paying. Who was how much did we pay them? The taxpayers paid for it. The FBI started paying in January of 2016, 11 payments in 10 months. They admonished Christopher Steele. We don't know what for. That's redacted. Do we know how I'm much sure he got admonished. paid, 11 payments? We we don't. It's all redacted. Uh, and there's no justification for redactions. So, I mean, here is a guy who admit in his court papers in Great Britain that his documents are unverifiable. And yet the FBI, which knew all of this and couldn't corroborate any of it, used it anyway. And that's a violation of FBI regulations. All right, let me go to David Schoen. David, um, let me move on to a different topic. Let me play you Jay Sekulow from The weekend. 
and I agree with this, and that is that if Mueller subpoenas the president, we're going to take this fight to the Supreme Court, which is the right choice. What happens if Mueller then subpoenas the president? Uh, you have a, a fight under the Constitution because it really becomes an Article Two question. So what would happen is if, if, and I say if because we have no basis to know that uh, at this point that a subpoena would be filed. And by the way, interviews can still happen. There could, there could be written questions. There's other ways this can happen. The president may decide at the end he's going to not take his lawyer's advice. I mean, that's up to him at the end of the day. He's the president. He gets to make that decision. We're going to give our advice. But I think, look, if you get a subpoena, you file what's called a motion to quash. That will be argued at the district court. Then it would go to the Court of Appeals. Then it would go to the Supreme Court of the United States. From the Supreme Court of the United States, it goes back down uh, to the lower courts again. So if, if the special counsel makes a determination and gets the authority, and that's a question, they have to have the authority to seek that subpoena. A subpoena for live testimony has never uh, been tested in court as to a president of the United States, and there's a lot of language, uh, articles, and precedent against that. Uh, but if that decision is made, we'll, we'll, we'll prepare to handle it in court. All right, this has been an issue of major discussion in the country. I don't think the president should do a thing. May, maybe, in the, maybe a couple of answered written questions at most, but I would have a hard time justifying that considering the illegitimacy of the investigation but maybe to move the country along, maybe for the sake of the country, you might do it. Uh, I take an absolutist position on this. I have from day one. I always will. The president should not dignify this illegitimate, uh, quote, investigation, close quotes, with ever sitting down with the Mueller team. I hear Mr. Giuliani and others say, well, if it's only a short period of time, if it's only about this, if he doesn't ask about obstruction, there's no way to win with that. He shouldn't answer a single question, written or oral. And if he begins down that road, if he answers a question, they'll try to make uh, something false out of that answer. And if he says, uh, has a parameter, they won't take questions on obstruction of justice, he doesn't gain anything. Everyone's going to say, not everyone, people with an agenda will say, oh, you see, he must be afraid of obstruction of justice. This should be on the lawyers, not on Mr. Trump. I know that Mr. Trump is perfectly happy to answer the questions, and he would answer them fully. This is a lawyer's call. Jay Sekulow is right. Ultimately, it's the client's decision. But in this case, the lawyer should not even put that on the client. The lawyer should make clear that no lawyer worth his or her salt would allow the president to sit down with the Mueller team, end of story, and take the subpoena battle all day long. And it's not, you know, all respect, it's not on the president to move things down the road. In this case, it's Mr. Mueller for causing this fight, if that's what they decide to do. And by the way, this president would be in right. very good company, including Jefferson and Adams, if he said something like, we're just too far too busy with the business of the country to stop for this nonsense. I think that's well said. And remember, he does, as, uh, as Mark and all of you have said, and we have said, you know, the Constitution is on the president's side here. Um, for a lot of reasons is why you can't indict a sitting president. And as we continue, Greg Jarrett, author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Russian Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton, Framed Donald Trump, David Schoen, Civil Liberties and Criminal Defense Attorney. Uh, let me get you to answer the same question. I know we've all talked about it, but now it's coming to a head. Greg Jarrett, as it relates to any answers to any questions of Mueller, what is what is Jay Sekulow, Rudy, Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani do and say? They have to encourage their client, even though he wants to talk, not to talk. It's a perjury trap. Look what Robert Mueller did to Michael Flynn. Flynn was interviewed by FBI agents. Those agents concluded he told the truth. Manafort didn't care. Excuse me. Mueller didn't care. He charged Flynn anyway. So even if the president sits down in an interview and tells the truth, he runs the risk that Mueller will use other people's statements to accuse the president of lying. 
What if what if it's what if it's written and what if it's in other words and they have a chance it doesn't matter. It's a perjury trap. No. Yes, it's a perjury trap. And and David's right. You cannot question a president for exercising his constitutional authority for firing Comey, nor is it a corrupt purpose, as the obstruction law demands, when he hopes or wishes that Michael Flynn is cleared. You know, this was an illegitimate special counsel appointment. The law requires that there first be a stated crime. Look at the authorization order. There is no stated crime. This was an investigation in search of a crime, and that's the reverse of what the law requires. Yeah. What, you, David? You know I, what? Let, let, take, take one step back also. Greg's absolutely right. And by the way, on the earlier questions, everyone has to read Greg's book if you want to know the details of what's gone on so far in this case. But on, on this subject now, when the president is testified, take a step back. Does anyone on God's green earth honestly believe that Mr. Mueller wants to ask the president questions to find out information or answers and to then think, oh, you know what? I believe what he says now. Let's drop this thing. Is that is anybody in the world believe this is part of a fair investigation and inquiry into facts? Absolutely not. Come on. Yeah, well, I don't think it is. I don't think it's ever been. And I think with especially now in light of what we all know about Hillary paying for Russian lies, Adam Schiff punked and, and pranked by Russian comedians and literally looking for dirt on Donald Trump. I mean, this is what is so frustrating to me. And this is where the media is no friend to the American people in any way. Um, all right. Thank you, because they don't tell the truth. Thank you both. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, you know, we had, what, 70 people shot over the weekend in Chicago. It is unbelievable. It's got to end. Also, uh, Eric Bowling is with us on the other side of things. And we're going to talk about the president. We're going to talk about opioids, his new book, and much more. And as we continue, 25 now till the top of the hour, toll free our telephone numbers, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to uh, join us, you know, it's always a pleasure to have back in the studio. Um, I have gotten to know this man more since he left the Fox News channel than when he was there. And we were friends when you were at Fox. Well, I'll tell you, he's a good friend today. He's got something to tell you. So, Sean, I'm I'm reading the post. Can I say hello to Eric Bowling? Yeah, hi, Eric. <laughs> Eric guys. Bowling is here. Eric. Hi, hi, Linda. Hi, Sean. How are you guys doing? Uh, if you're going to talk to Linda, you got to say hi, Linda. Hi, hi Linda. Say how, how are, are you? you? It was great broadcasting from Singapore. It's a Singapore. wonderful broadcast. We didn't hear what he has for you. So, wait. So, so, Sean, I'm reading the post today. And what do I see on page, <laughs> on page nine of today's New York Post? I saw it, yeah. Hannity is cable's top-rated program, yes, even during Shark Week. Sean, you did the unthinkable. You took down shark. the sharks. I took down the great whites. You were the... You know, you know what's even better than that? That same ad is in the New York Times full page today. That is amazing. I know. It's not easy to take down I have Shark to, I have, I I, Listen, Shark Week is awesome. I have no idea how we it. beat Love them. Um, you know, I... I knew you. Everybody knows you from the the five. Everybody knows also um, what has happened with your son. And you know, I, 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 you and I have talked a lot since then. But you also have done what I think is almost nearly impossible, which is you have changed your the trajectory of your life. And I watch you at the White House with the president. I hear you talking to parents. You, you said to me clearly, you know, out of love for me and my kids, it can happen to anybody. 
and you're right. And you lost your son. There's this this thing called fentanyl that most people don't even know about. And it is laced in pills, in opioids, the addiction problem, heroin. You know, people think they're buying a simple, it's not simple, but a simple Xanax, which is designed to reduce people's anxiety. But even that is laced with fentanyl, which kills people every day. Mm. And I just don't know how you've done it, but I know you're saving lives now. And I admire you so much because I don't think I'd get out of bed. Well, I almost didn't get out of bed. And, and Sean, to be honest with you, and we've spoken about this quite a bit, you've been amazing. You're you're one of the few people who've, who've stayed in contact asking me and my wife how we're doing. President Trump was another one. Uh, the, the day after, the morning after, I'll never forget the, that night, um, we got the phone call. And, and Adrian, she was driving the car. We're coming home for dinner. And uh, she heard what the, was going on, and, and um, the phone rang on my phone, and I said, who is this? He was a fr- friend of his in panic saying, call Eric right away. Um, I called over there, and his, there was a girl, a girlfriend of his there who answered and said, um, I don't know, Sean, I don't know why, but I just said immediately, is he still alive? And she said, no. My wife heard that, and she literally fell, spilled onto the roadway. I had to pick her up, gather her, put her on the sidewalk. Um, that was a Friday night, um, and we spent that whole night in a, in a fog, in a dizzy fog. We got to Colorado. He was a sophomore at University of Colorado. We got to the, to, to, to the school. We went to the corner, and the phone rang. There's President Trump saying, whatever I can do. And I was in such a tailspin, I, I don't even remember speaking to him. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, we're, we're at the Thanksgiving dinner, and it's that proverbial empty chair, and we're about to fall apart. We're just going to lose it. And the phone rings again, and it's President Trump a second time saying, Melania and I just feel for you on this day. We know how important the first holiday is. And so what what has happened since then, Sean, is I've become kind of this unintended expert in, on opioids. I'm, I don't claim to know everything, but I but I do know I've worked with the president. I've worked on at the White House. I've been part of their opioid summit. I'm trying to help save lives so other families don't go through this. Um, I'm not good. I'm not strong. I'm just trying to you know make, find a reason. Uh, and maybe the silver lining is that s- some other families w- will be helped by this. Now, I've collaborated with NASCAR. We have an amazing team. Rick Ware team is is rolling a car around all the, all the uh, NASCAR tracks with an opioid message on it. That's been phenomenal. I reached out to Demi Lovato's mom. Now, Demi Lovato almost died of an accidental opi- opioid overdose as right. well, right? And, uh, I'm, I'm, and she had I'm, been clean and sober for what six, six years? years yeah. yeah. And so her mom and and we're in contact, and I, I want her to get involved too because we need to we need to show that it's not just certain people. It's not heroin addicts that are dying of overdose. This, these are regular young people. These are people, your daughter, son, my daughter, my son, her but daughter. People better believe this. Because yeah. actually since all of this has happened, and I'm, I'm not going to interrupt your flow, but since all of this has happened, I have really dug deep mm-hmm. and educated myself. I've watched the, the, the hit series Drugs, I've watched Trade on Showtime. Uh, Nat Geo has a history. They literally show these uh, these dealers, oh, I'm going to give a hot shot here. Mm-hmm. They purposely want to kill kids. Oh, then they'll think this is the strongest, the strongest heroin. They're 100% right. Um, and, and, it's, and it's parents leaving Vicodin, Percocet, OxyContin, you know, it, grandma leaving it in her medicine cabinet, and they start there. And then they can't afford 80 bucks a pill on the street or the pill is laced with fentanyl and they die right there. These kids are all dying and it's all over the country. Think of it this way, Sean. Uh, 144 people per day die of an overdose per day. 
most of them are opioid overdoses. Fentanyl, two, two or three grains of salt size can kill you. It's coming in over, over from China, the southern border wall as well. The reason why it's so deadly is it's, it's in such tiny doses. Isn't it like a horse it. tranquilizer, yeah, elephant tranquilizer? Elephant tranquilizer. Yeah. It kills elephants. It puts people down. Four, four grains of salt size a fentanyl can kill a 200-pound man. That's that's how strong this stuff is. But anyway, so 144 people a day are dying. It's like flying a 737 into a mountain every single day. We would be outraged. We would do whatever it takes to stop. It's touching. So many people have come to me saying, you know, when I heard about it, I, I, I didn't really know much about it. But now I've, I found my coworker or my cousin or my uncle or my niece or my nephew. I spoke at CPAC. Um, Matt Schlapp let me, gave me the stage for a day and it was packed, right? I saw three, four, five hundred people afterwards come up to me, young people under the age of 25 saying, I'm clean for a year, but I'm scared. Or my best friend died. Or two of my best friends are either dead or about to die. It, it's touching so many people. I think, Sean, let's bring this back to politics. I think it needs, I think the Republican Party needs to take a stand and say, we are the party that's going to eradicate the country of opioid overdoses. If we do, we'll have a, a, a young group of people who will appreciate the effort. And I think Trump is starting to do it. You know, um, I've talked a lot about my numerous trips to the borders, about 12, 14, I don't even remember, all the way from the Rio Grande to San Diego. Helicopters, all-terrain vehicles, horseback, you know, walking, uh, you name it, boats, I've been out there with these guys, but the bit thing that really struck me the most, and you see that in the in the documentaries that I mentioned, trade or drugs or Nat Geo's, they've done really good work exposing it. And the drug warehouse that I was in, Eric, floor the biggest room you've ever been in. Imagine it, you know, thirty foot ceilings, all drugs confiscated. And they're telling me they get maybe 5% of what's coming into the country. Right. And it's all destined, and they're targeting small town, big city, USA. And these kids are all getting addicted. It, it, we use the word epidemic. It is an epidemic. It's because it's five bucks a, a pill on the street right now, Sean. That's that's where it's coming from. It's the cheapest high. It's cheaper than marijuana on the street. The problem is you, exactly what you said. Dealers are mixing fentanyl into these pills because it makes them stronger. And there's no no one checking. Eric Chase, my son, bought one Xanax on on campus. Granted, it wasn't a prescriptive Xanax. He bought it. He shouldn't have. It had enough fentanyl to kill him. Xanax is to reduce anxiety. anxiety kids, it's millions of times a day on college campuses. Yeah. This happens. There was a young man at University of Denver, about 20 miles from University Boulder. of Colorado. Right. Well, my son was at Boulder, but there's a University of Denver also. Yeah. In his father's an mil ex-military guy. I can't remember the guy's name. His son died the same night. It was likely the same batch of, of Xanax laced with enough fentanyl to kill. It's it's. But but there are two things that people before we go. That, there are two things you have to understand from the from the kid standpoint, from young people. One pill can kill. You just don't know what you're putting in your mouth. You think you do, you don't. One pill can kill. These people don't care. And parents have to have the d discussion with their kids. It can't be my kid is too smart, my kid's too great of an athlete. Not true. My, it doesn't matter if you're white, black, Hispanic, smart, gay, straight, what, male, female. It doesn't matter what religion. It's it's touching everybody. Let me play the president what he had to say about this, and we'll hit that now. You have people that go to the hospital with a broken arm and they come out and they're addicted. They're addicted to painkillers and they don't even know what happened. They go in for something minor and they come out and they're, they're uh, in serious shape. As you know, we've been, I think we've been involved more than any administration by far. Uh, it's a problem that's growing. 
and drugs are a similar but different problem in the sense that we have pushers and we have drug dealers that don't I mean they kill hundreds and hundreds of people and most of them don't even go to jail you know if you shoot one person they give you life they give you the death penalty these people can kill 2000 3000 people and nothing happens to them and we need strength with respect to the pushers and to the drug dealers and if we don't do that you're never going to solve the problem and so you've talked to the president numerous times i know i saw you at least the two events of our recall at the white house you know i didn't want to talk all about this honestly um your message is too important and i'm very happy that you got your new tv show on crtv and uh i've enjoyed being a colleague with you all these many years but i just think this is too important i just i think the work you're now doing you're taking the tragedy and you are now literally going to be responsible for saving people's lives and i just admire you so much for finding the strength to do it because i know what you went through I, i've talked to you during it I just don't know how you, you and your wife, you pulled yourselves up and it's, you lost your most precious child and you're warning people, don't let this happen to you. Yeah, I, I, we are, we're in the process of, we haven't done anything. I'm, I'm not, we're not healed yet by any means. I, the other day I was taking a run and I accidentally made a left turn down a street I didn't want to go to. And I know why I didn't want to, it's because it was the high school that he went to and it just, it just, it ruined me for, for the day. So, um, it's 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 a passion now to, to make sure we save some lives. But you know, I'm fortunate to have the the new show on CRTV. I'm also you know I, you're, you're not going to like this. What's uh, I am going to like it. I don't don't, care. don't cut this part out. There's nothing you could say there, that's going to annoy out. me. And I've told yeah, this is going to annoy you. Uh, I told you President Trump was one of the, the people who've called me. Sean, you've been amazing. You called. You're regularly. right. I'm not going to like this. You are going to like it. You <laughs> called me. Anytime regularly. it's about me, I hate it. No, no. It, it, well, here's here's the part you're not going to like. You know, there's one other guy that that called me a, a, a lot. Almost as much as you and the president. It's it's Joe Scarborough. Now the reason why good I'm saying him. this is uh, because I don't care what I've, good what, for I've, him. what I've learned. In, you know, you, you come from the the place I used to come from. I used to work, and you're 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 kind of separated from all the other ideologies, from the CN ideology to kind of allegedly down the middle that they're the anti-Trump, but down the middle, or the MSNBC, which is on the left. You know that, and the others. But I get I get amazing reach out from people who would normally never ever expect to reach out, and Scarborough is one of them. You know what? And good so for I appreciate. Him. But Sean, you. What you have done for Adrian and I, and 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 with the president, and, and it's listen. It's just you're going to save lives, and I'm going to watch you save lives, and and every life you're going to save is a memory of your son. Oh. Every and you're going to save lives, Eric. You're doing it now. Uh, quick break, right back. Eric Bowling with us. Uh, we'll get a quick uh, political commentary on him on the other side. And yeah, look what happened in Chicago: seventy-one shot, twelve dead, many fighting for their lives. That's that's another epidemic we haven't solved. What's going on in America? Well, if you're like me, you're a lover of liberty, you've had it up to here with PC garbage and victim culture, and you absolutely love how President Trump serves up daily doses of truth and wins for the American people. I'm still not tired of winning, are you? Well, if that sounds like you, you're gonna love my new show, America on CRTV. This show wouldn't have seen the light of day on cable TV, and that's why it's available only on CRTV.com. So if you're wondering why we didn't bring a show back to cable news, there's one simple reason. The mainstream media would never let us do a show like America. We're going to bring you unfiltered interviews with guests that won't bow at the altar of political correctness or march in lockstep with network demands. You can expect the hard truths about the state of our country that the mainstream media just doesn't want you to know about. And... 
we're going to have some fun, too. To kick off things, we're going on the road. From the ground up, this show is made for you. So head over to CRTV.com. America on CRTV will be bold. It'll be brash. And I promise you, the best of all, it'll be all bowling. All right, as we continue, Eric Bowling is uh, with us now, a show on CRTV. Um, I got to tell you, 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 how does it feel to be back in the saddle? Well, it feels it's different. Uh, digital is a little different than, than cable news. Cable, that's Mark Levin's now. Uh, well, we, he's there as he's well. He's on it, yeah, right? And, and Mark's there, and uh, Michelle Malcolm, and a couple other kind of center, All friends of ours. Center right, yeah. center right conservative hosts. Ali Stuckey's a good one. You should have her on. She's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but these, these, look, at center right, it's great. It's it's a different animal for me. It's it's you know you have to actually go out and promote a show and say hey you need to come and and sign up and and it's well it's, it's on different. CRTV. What time every CRTV. day? CRTV.com. Anytime you want, you just pull it up. Uh, I love you like a brother. I'm proud of you. Um, I'm sorry about all your pain. Thank you for what you're doing for the country here. It's important. Sean, thank you. Love Love Adrian, too. All right, my best. My love to both of you. Quick break. We'll come back. 71 shot, 12 dead in Chicago. People fighting for their lives. All right, news roundup information overload hour. Sean Hannity Show, USA Today, latest updated numbers. 71 of our fellow Americans were shot in the city of Chicago this weekend alone. 12 of them are dead. Many others are now in hospitals fighting for their lives. And I I just want to take you back. I, I remember being the only show on television saying, literally scrolling the names of people. The names we don't ever hear of. And in the Obama years, there were thousands that were shot, including young children getting killed in the streets of Chicago. The violence is so out of control. How Rob Rombo Deadfish Emanuel is still the the mayor of this city is beyond any comprehension that I have. These are our children. This is our these are our fellow countrymen. And it is worse than a war zone. And, you know, Obama, I'm going to work to stop Chicago gun violence, does nothing. You know, after Rahm's introduction, Obama talks about saving ch- Nothing changed. Chicago leaders, et cetera, et cetera. I want to play some of what they promised and what they have said and how bad this is and how desperate we are now to fix this problem. Just let's listen to this audio. I've had my Justice Department uh, specifically working with the mayor's office, providing them with additional resources, best practices, uh, and... What I hope to do once I'm out of office as a citizen and somebody who still ha- has a home in Chicago is, is to work with community organizations, uh, mentorship programs, anti-violence programs to see what we can do. I don't think that we're going to be able to reverse these things overnight. On the other hand, the fact that crime overall is much lower around the country than it was when I took office, and that Chicago is the one big city where you've seen this huge spike means that there's something specifically that's happening there, and, and that means we can fix it if we work together. President Obama understands that to connect all Americans to that vision of a promising future requires that we create real ladders of opportunity. I am pleased he has come home to expand on that vision. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give the president of Chicago welcome. First of all, I want to thank Uh, Your mayor, my great friend, Rahm Emanuel, for uh, his outstanding leadership of the city and this kind introduction. Change is always possible. That that, that we may not be able to help everybody, but if we help a few, then that propels progress forward. We may not be able to save every child from gun violence, but if we save a few, that charts changing the atmosphere in our communities. 
Chicago's leading voices support Rahm Emanuel for mayor. And President Obama says Emanuel is the mayor we need. He's making sure every Chicagoan in every neighborhood gets the fair shot at success that they deserve. Let's take a look at some of the statistics from over the weekend from Friday to Sunday. Ten people were killed and 53 others were wounded in gun violence around the city. Yet CPD is saying there has been a 30% reduction in shootings this year. But by the scenes from over the weekend, it's hard to tell. Hospitals inundated with patients wounded by bullets and grieving families crowding outside emergency room parking lots. Police say the random and targeted violence is unacceptable. 5,500 illegal guns have been taken off the streets this year. We have an environment where people do not feel any repercussions for using guns to commit violence, and thus these weapons flow freely onto our streets. And just in the last few hours, three people were shot in the Fuller Park neighborhood on the south side after they were approached by a masked shooter, according to police. All of their conditions have stabilized. And just after midnight, a person in a ski mask fired shots at two people standing in front of a home in the Roseland neighborhood. A 50-year-old man died. A 55-year-old woman was hurt. Meanwhile, the police superintendent plans to hold that news conference at 11 o'clock this morning. This is about the fabric of a neighborhood and community. As the superintendent just said, who knows who did this? So if you say enough is enough, we must come forward as a neighborhood where a moral center of gravity holds. I saw it, as the soup did, with Pastor Brooks on the west side on Wednesday night. Police. Religious leaders, congregants, people from all parts of the city walking together. You can talk about the weather, but the weather didn't pull the trigger. And you can talk about jobs and they count, but in parts of the city where there aren't jobs, people did not pull the trigger. There are values, there are too many guns on the street, too many people with criminal records on the street, and there is a shortage of values about what is right, what is wrong, what is acceptable, what is condoned, and what is condemned. So last year during Memorial Day, my younger brother was in the car with a couple of his friends on the south side of Chicago when two men walked up to the car and shot the car 25 times. You know, when I think about the fact that we can be on television right now discussing my little brother in past tense, it just brings tears to my eyes. Therefore, considering the fact that I'm blessed to work for the number one network in cable news, I could do nothing but put out this op-ed and talk about what's going on in Chicago, the pain that many people feel. All right, that last person you heard uh, is going to join us in a second. His name's uh, Gianno Caldwell, and he was discussing the pain, the suffering, when his younger brother got shot over Memorial Day weekend last year, and two of his friends were just sitting in a car on the south side of Chicago, and you have two men walking up to the window. They fired 25 times, and with his bloodied best friend dead in his arms, you know, he barely survives this shooting, but he survived. And you think of the heartache. This weekend alone, 71 people shot in Chicago. Over a dozen are dead. And we have 
literally dozens more fighting for their lives. Now, at the same time, I mean, we've got all this talk in the country about, well, you know, people are saying that CNN sucks and that is bad. Those are words. Those are people using their First Amendment rights. Uh, They're sending a message to how corrupt the media is. And you see that the media covers themselves uh, with words. And when have they ever put the names on the screen of their television networks, which we've done, I've done on my show on Fox News. I mean, you're going to hear about the high profile cases that become politicized. Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, uh, Michael Brown, uh, Freddie Gray in Baltimore. And but what it's happening literally every single weekend. And you heard all these years Obama did nothing. And we've got violence even perpetrated against, you know, people like Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk over over the weekend. Really scary stuff. Um, The New York Times at the same time has decided to hire an editorial board member. And she has tweeted numerous times, F the police, kill all the men. Sarah Jung is her name. And then she's written things, uh, and this is all over Twitter. Let me know when cops get killed by a rock or a Molotov cocktail or a stray uh, piece of glass from a precious uh, precious window. Cops are a-holes. F the police. Kill all men. If we're talking big sweeping bans on shh that kills people, why don't we ever talk about banning the police? She said that in 2016. She said F the police on so many occasions, including one you know, with actual animation characters, you know, one showing somebody physically attacking a police officer. There's your New York Times paper or record. These are insane times we're living in. We're trying to get some answers and we need some help if we want to protect our country's kids. The Reverend C.L. Bryan, author of The Race for Freedom, senior fellow at FreedomWorks, Pastor Daryl Scott is the executive director of the National Diversity Coalition for the President, senior pastor of the New Spirit Revival Center. I had the honor once of actually speaking there. And Gianno Caldwell, founder of Caldwell Strategic Consulting, and he's the one that nearly lost his brother, but he did lose his brother's friends going back to Memorial Day last year. And that was his voice that you just heard. Uh, Thank you all for being with us. Gianno, let me start with you. Um, How do we have 71 Americans shot in one city in one weekend and it's not a national emergency? And by the way, don't don't argue that this is a gun debate because New York City went from twenty five hundred murders a year uh, down a little over three hundred because of great policing in the areas that needed the most policing based on crime statistics. Lives were saved. And Rudy took a lot of crap for saving lives. Yeah, and let me say, Sean, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm blessed to uh, be a colleague of yours. As a Fox well, I feel the same analyst. way. Yes, sir. Um, so I, I'm really appreciative. And I must tell you, Fox News Channel has been shining a great line, light on the tragedies that exist in Chicago. And to me, this is nothing less than a national tragedy in Chicago. It's black-on-black genocide of restored proportions Rahm Emanuel has been mayor since 2011, and since 2011, he's been nothing more than a failure, plain and simple. Plain and simple. More deaths, higher taxes, sanctuary status for everyone but the African-Americans that are bleeding in the streets of Chicago daily. I don't believe we can—I don't believe this is our best effort to stop it. We haven't done a thing to this point, if you really want to know the truth. 
Not at all. And if you look at an op-ed that I released, that was released on FoxNews.com right. um, last Sunday, I put together, I'm calling for President uh, President Donald J. Trump, our dear president, to get involved in the fight. Uh, at this point, we can't wait any longer. We cannot rely on the mayor of Chicago, who's completely failed the citizens of Chicago. We cannot rely on the failed rhetoric of gun control that's dead, that's played, because Chicago's got the most comprehensive gun control laws on the books. And we cannot expect the Democrats to care about the black people that continue to bleed in Chicago. We have a president who has spoken up on many occasions. And uh, just last year, February last year, he said, if Chicago doesn't fix the carnage, I'll send the feds. This is an opportunity where the president can keep his commitment to the people of Chicago and do something because we can't wait any longer. Lives literally depend on it. Let me ask my friend, Pastor Daryl Scott. Pastor, uh, one person in this country does have the ear of the president being part of his diversity coalition. Um, I know you've been focused on a lot of things. There's been a lot of progress with the president, uh, especially as it relates to employment. We now have 14 states with record low unemployment, record low unemployment for black Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, our vets. So obviously he's been focused on jobs and opportunity. Uh, I have no doubt you'll be talking to him about this if you haven't already. Yes, I, I talked to him. And first of all, thanks for having me on today. And John, oh, good to hear from you. That's my buddy and, and Reverend Brian. But I talked to the uh, president about Chicago over a year ago when he first mentioned sending the National Guard there. And I remember when he made that statement, the black community got outraged and, you know, the, the, the community activists, um, uh, it, it didn't, you know, they used that as a talking point as to, you know, criticize the president by him threatening to send in the National Guard. But now they're crying for the National Guard to come. But you know what I believe? I really believe the community leaders in Chicago allow party politics to negatively impact their citizenry. And rather than accept help, from the president, they denied any help, and you know, uh, and now we see w what's going on. And so, you know, the, to me, the black activists there—they're more critical of black ministers sitting down with the president than they are of the violence that is in Chicago. And and you know, it, it, it's getting to be so bad that we have to put party politics aside and look at American citizens and say we have to do something to put a stop to this. And I know the president knows about it. All right, we got to we got to take a break here. We'll come back. We'll continue. All right, as we continue, 71 people shot this weekend in Chicago. As of now, 12 dead, others fighting for their lives. We continue with uh, Gianno Caldwell. He's the founder of Caldwell Strategic Consulting, Pastor Daryl Scott, who is the executive director of the National Diversity Coalition, our friend C.L. Bryant, author of The Race for Freedom, uh, senior fellow at FreedomWorks. We only have a minute in this segment, C.L., but we're going to devote the next half hour to this and maybe take some people's calls, but your overall impression why are we not solving this problem? Because we have failed to realize that progressive liberal policies in Chicago has led to anarchy. And law and order must be restored. This president, our president, Donald J. Trump, does understand that law and order is necessary. When he said on the campaign trail, Sean, that uh, the black community or the minority community had nothing to lose in electing him president, he was absolutely right. As far as the violence, unemployment, and other things in this country are concerned, your uh, uh, Obama, uh, Pastor Jeremiah Wright, and also Rahm Emanuel, we must hold them responsible for what we're seeing on the streets of Chicago. It is unnecessary 
and black folks need to wake up and understand one thing. How can they possibly, how can we possibly be satisfied with what we're seeing in these progressive liberal policies that are leading our country to the anarchy that we're seeing in cities like Chicago, Detroit, New Orleans, and Houston. we got to save these kids' lives. You know what? It's American treasure just being destroyed. We'll take a quick break. We'll continue on the other side. Reverend C.L. Bryant, Pastor Darrell Scott, Gianno Caldwell, 71 shot, 12 dead, and others fighting this very hour for their lives. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. And then look who the New York Times decides to hire for their editorial board. That's next. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. 71 shot, 12 dead, and many others fighting for their lives as we speak. This is Chicago this weekend alone. You, it, it is devastating. And uh, we have with us to discuss. I mean, we had eight years of this going on under Obama. I know things, thankfully, are recovering for the... For the country economically, we have millions fewer on food stamps. We have 4 million new jobs created. We have historic low unemployment in 14 states in the African-American community, the Hispanic community, the Asian-American community, and in, uh, with our veterans. That's great, but we got to keep our kids alive. You know, all that potential, all that treasure in Chicago, and how has it not been fixed? Now, to add to this madness, and it is absolute, ins- if you don't believe there's evil in the world, there's evil in the world. This is it. You don't go kill innocent kids or innocent people without having real a real dark soul, real evil. You know, imagine the insanity that, you know, oops, I'm going to go, what am I going to kill somebody and then go get a cheeseburger? What is wrong with these people? They're insane. And this is pure evil, and it can be stopped because it was. I watched it happen. I lived here during its transformation in New York City. And Rudy Giuliani was the mayor. He was fighting in court against the New York Times, the New York Civil Liberties Union, against everybody was suing him. And he ended up bringing, you know, a murder rate of near 2,500 down to like three, 400 a year. That means every year that's like 2,000 lives being saved. Because they did strong policing. I'm not the biggest fan of stop and frisk, but cops needed that to get the people that had illegal guns, not legal. I'm the biggest Second Amendment guy you'll hear off the streets. Now, how do you add to this is we've got the New York Times, so-called biggest paper of record. Well, the biggest anti-Trump paper of record. Anyway, they're standing by the hiring of a woman by the name of Sarah Jean. That's her name as the newest editorial board member. And um, she has a history of unbelievable tweets. You know, and by the way, I'm not calling for her to be fired. I just think you need to know that the New York Times has hired a woman who has tweeted out numerous times, F the police, and quote, encouraging people to kill all men. And if you search on uh, Twitter, cops and police on her Twitter page it reveals an extensive history of anti-cop sentiment lack of sympathy for police who are injured on the job one tweet let me know when a cop gets killed by a rock or a molotov cocktail or a stray uh, a shred of glass from a precious precious window cops are a-holes if we're talking you know big sweeping bans on that kills people why don't we ever talk about banning the police she said She's tweeted F the police that many times. 
Anyway, here we continue our discussion with the Reverend C.L. Bryant. Uh, he is the author of The Race for Freedom, senior fellow at FreedomWorks, Pastor Daryl Scott, executive director of the National Diversity Coalition, and for President Trump, senior pastor at New Spirit Revival Center, Gianna Caldwell is a Fox News political analyst, a co-worker of mine, founder of uh, Caldwell Strategic Consulting. His own brother was shot um, over Memorial Day weekend, and his best friend died. His brother's best friend died. How many people were killed in that incident, Gianna? Well, my little brother didn't get shot in that incident, but it was simply his best friend that did lose his life, and it's... It was such a tragic event that we had to move him out of Chicago two weeks ago, so he's no longer a resident of Chicago. And there's many others that are running out the city every time they get a chance because literally people are in fear to go to church. And that's the one place where you should feel sanctuary, comfort, love, but they feel that they may die going to church. This is nothing less than a national disgrace, what Mayor Emanuel has allowed to happen in the city of Chicago. Let me go to Pastor Scott. You and I have become very good friends in the last few years. I've been friends with C.L. Bryan for a long time. I want to be friends now with Giano, uh, who's a colleague of mine. Pastor Scott, you know, I look at your life as a shining example that real redemption in life can happen and that some people can turn their lives around because you're a living testament to this. And by the way, I have no idea why your wife puts up with you. I would not put up with you. <laughs> She's been trying to get rid of me for 38 years. Yeah, but I mean, how she hasn't succeeded. I, I will help her succeed if she wants. So I'll give her all the assistance I can. Hey, man. No, I'm teasing. But you know, but this has been, but you, you have lived a life at one point in your life that is very, very dark, spiritually dark. And you lived in peril for a part of your life. Yeah. And you know what, though? What's sad is that this media-fueled hate for our president uh, prevents those that desire to help from helping. And, you know, and, and they will take me to task again, but today's so-called black leaders and black activists, they would rather grandstand and denounce the president than to sit down and have real, meaningful, productive dialogue to devise real solutions to this very real problem. And so I empathize with those that are in that environment, and I sympathize for those that have lost their lives or have been, have been wounded. Because, I, I, you know, I lived in that environment, and I had that mindset at one time, and there's very little regard for human life when you're out there in there like that. But, you know, uh, it, it, there has to be something other than politics uh, you know, the, 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 it seems like that those that are in a position to help are allowing politics to prevent them from helping because they just don't want this president to get any kind of credit for any kind of uh, solution or any type of help. And it's sad. It's very, very sad. Uh, real quick, and there was an interview done on Fox and Friends. Last week I covered the anti-Rahm Emanuel, anti-violence protest in Chicago for Fox and Friends and Fox News Channel. And I interviewed a guy by the name of State Representative LaShawn Ford. He's a Chicago senior Democrat in Illinois. He resides over one of the hardest-hit areas in terms of violence in the city of Chicago. He's a West Side Democrat. He has offered to work with President Trump. He said that he wants to he wants to meet with him, and he said he would like to accept the help. Now, this guy famously in 2010, April 2010, called him and another Democrat. He's African-American, a white Democrat. They called for the National Guard to come in and help Chicago. And I interviewed him, and I said, are you willing to call for the National Guard again? 
He said that should be a part of the solution. We need to have the state police involved. We need to have the FBI involved. So he did an interview today on Fox and Friends. I encourage everyone to go and take a look at it. That's at least one Democrat who's willing to put his name and reputation on the line to meet with the president of the United States and try to get something done for Chicago. I just want to make mention of that. C.L. Bryant, I've known you for a long time. You, too, have been you know, working all these years. You know, this is why I'm so resentful every two and four years the lie is perpetrated. Oh, if you're a conservative, you're you're racist, you're sexist, misogynistic, you're xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic. You want dirty air, water, and you want the children to die, and you want to throw granny over a cliff because it's all a lie. And we see conservative policies implemented by the president is helping every American because at the end of the day, it's not hyphenated. We're all Americans. Absolutely, Sean, and we all should be very proud to live in our country at this point in time and to see the so-called paper of record, the New York Times hiring an Asian woman to perpetuate racial division in this country is absolutely appalling. The hypocrisy of the progressive liberal left is absolutely stifling. And what we are seeing with this president, with Donald John Trump as president of the United States, is an awakening. And every demon that they have in the Democrat Party and on the progressive liberal side are unleashed to stop the movement of making our nation great again and restoring law and order in the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the Let, world well, let's has ever take known. it. Let's take it to another level. And we'll start with Pastor Scott. You're on the president's National Diversity Coalition. Um, let's talk about And I, I really do applaud the achievements economically for... I mean, when you have all those records, record low unemployment with such diversity in it, I mean, that is a ladder up to success, which everybody I want to have in America. Remember, I'm the dishwasher. I started as a dishwasher. I know people are sick of hearing it, but it was two decades of my life doing real work. And I want everyone that's a dishwasher or starts, you know, I talked to this girl last night at McDonald's. I just admitted everybody I had a big quarter pounder. But anyway... And I just, she's in 12th grade, and I ordered my McDonald's, and I said, thank you, and, and you go to school? And she goes, she, does, she wasn't going to go to college, so I spent 10 minutes saying you got to go to college. And uh, anyway, but I think it's very, very important that this get fixed. Have you talked to the president about it? What's a good plan of action in your view? Well, first of all, we have to have some meaningful dialogue. I mentioned it to the president once again over a year ago, and he said, I'm going to, you know, and you know how blunt he is. He said to me, I'm going to send the National Guard in there. They better get it together. And so we need, uh, I applaud the uh, gentleman that Jono mentioned, and maybe he can find some others like him that are city officials that will put party politics aside and be willing to have a sit-down. I would definitely reach out to the president if there are those that Jono can reach that we can put together some type of sit-down and and we can try to get them in the room. With the president. Now, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be some backlash, even though people are dying. Why are they going to be backlash? Why, if it, be lot, there's going to be a lot of backlash. From who? From, out from the black community. Well, well how about we, we're trying to save lives of young kids and, and our community? You what are we doing? That. This is our now national treasure. That. Listen, I, I looked at, you know, the fake news, and they're so busy still trying to talk about Trump and LeBron that they're ignoring the 71 people that got shot uh, yeah. over the weekend. And so it's going to be few that they're going to call these guys sellouts or Uncle Times or uh, that they're selling out their, their party and their race by sitting down with the president. But let me tell you something. 
If you're drowning in the water and somebody's throwing you a life preserver, you don't care what color they are. You don't care what it is that people are saying. You just need help. And so I want to do everything I can to help, and I want to get with Jono, and I want to reach out to uh, those I can at the White House and try to put together something, man, because something has to be done. Uh, Gianna, what do, you, what do you think? You know, it was fascinating to see a lot of African-American politicians in Chicago and, and in Illinois saying, Mr. President, come help us, because yeah. it's not getting done. Yeah, and, and, and to Pastor Scott's point, there will be people saying, hey, you know, you're a sellout. But truth be told, if you're not willing to sit with the president on a scenario like this, when there's black bodies being littered in the street, you're a sellout. You don't want to. You don't absolutely wanna be right. So you'd rather put you rather put politics in the way of human life. So there's a problem with you, and you shouldn't be a leader if that if that's your point of view. And yes, and and, and to your point, Pastor Scott, we talked about it on Fox and Friends today, just this morning, how we're putting together a coalition. Democrats, Republican leaders in the community across the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois to meet with the president. Here, here's what we think we want to meet with you. We want to open up dialogue, but we can't wait any longer. The, the frustration. People are desperate. I think that's the best way to describe it. They're absolutely desperate because no one wants to be next. And just imagining walk, being afraid to walk out the house because you're in fear of losing your life. I interviewed a lady for Fox News Channel in the Chicago protest last week who says, I'm a grandmother. I can't even have my grandkids come from out of town because remember, I feel remember like that I might little, be sending them back in a, in a casket. There was a little kid that was like seven or, or eight or nine years old shot on a porch, you know, a couple of years ago. I'm like, what, come, what are we doing here? And, you know, all we ever talk about are the high-profile cases and ignoring thousands of others being shot, which shows that it's all political for a lot of these people. In other words, you know, it's not about politics. This is our family. It's part of our American family. We have a problem. We need to go in and fix the problem and save people's lives. That's it. It's not that complicated. It's not political. And, Sean, and Sean if I may say, uh, Gianno, I'll, I'll reach out to you as well. Pastor Scott, I'll be texting you. And, Sean, thank you for this platform that you— well, I noticed you said you're not going to text me. Well, I guess, you know, I'm useless. Jeez. <laughs> I am totally useless. As well. <laughs> but uh, I offer the C.L. Bryant show to you. Uh, uh, I know. Well. I've been on your show many times. And, and by the way, it's a yeah. powerful voice you have. Thank you so much, Sean, for that. And thanks for this platform today. You have the courage to do it where so many others in your position do not have it. You know, hey, you want to know something, Reverend, though? I just know this, this president. This. I think once he wraps his, once he can focus his attention on it, I think we can fix it. I really believe that. And there's, there's no, you know, people have to just say this is, this is too important to allow to continue. Uh, Reverend Bryant, love and respect you. Pastor Daryl Scott, love and respect you. Gianno, it's an honor to be a, a teammate of yours at Fox News, and uh, I look forward to having you as part of my team as, as often as we can. Thank you so much, and God bless what you're doing. I'm sorry what happened to your brother's best friend. I can't believe the pain that that caused your family and everybody else. That's just one shooting, though. That's just Thank one. You. Thank you, Sean. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. we got an amazing monologue tonight that, um, well, we've got a lot of deals to settle here. That's tonight, 9 Eastern. Devin Nunes tonight, Greg Jarrett, uh, Alan Dershowitz tonight. Also, Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk. You see what happened to them? The loving left. We've got that video. Greg Gutfeld and uh, much more. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. As always, thanks for being with us. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 